thanks for taking the time to meet me today, Shireen. Um, if I can give you a, a little bit of an introduction and maybe you can add something to that as well if I missed anything. But uh, you are essentially the HR conversationalist. Um, you're the managing director for HR Rewired. Yeah. Um, uh, highly respected speaker in the HR community and, and also uh, releasing videos on your YouTube channel, uh, which I highly recommend people should watch, um, uh, particularly given commentary and insight for employers and how they engage in the conversation around equity, the Black Lives Matter movement, etc. Um, does, does that sum things up? When I uh, started HR Rewired, the whole um, rationale behind it was changing the perception of HR and I and that was always the thing and it was pre 31st of May which is when I did my first video talking about the black experience and my experience and how I felt now what I say to people is I'm kind of on sabbatical like I don't know how long this sabbatical is but I am massively passionate and I think you you know you mentioned my videos I commit to a video every day sharing my my views perspectives and answering some questions on just how we can have meaningful conversations about race. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I use a lot of my personal experience. I'm very challenging. Yep. I'm very honest. And I basically want to use that to help black employees in the world of work feel like they've got somebody who understands and who is speaking up in the world of business. Yeah. But also to allow businesses who are run by particularly senior white leadership teams yep. who for whatever reason haven't engaged in this conversation so that I kind of make it safe to have the real raw conversations and you know mm. I'm, I'm pokey but I'm not I don't push people away I use it to bring people in to go you know what Shireen's going to tell you like it is <laughs> yeah and I, I as a, on a personal note I find those videos um incredibly valuable and so obviously we're going to uh, walk through some of your views um, on this call, but certainly anybody who's watching this video, I absolutely recommend that you go to Shireen's YouTube channel um, and check out those videos there. Uh, if you haven't already started your own education, uh, this is a great place to uh, to begin that, um, I'd say. Um, I think for me, the uh, clearly the Black Lives Matter movement um, and, and actually the conversation around structural uh, racism, how that kind of operates in daily life at work. I think that's kind of brought into sharper focus, or I hope that's been brought into sharper focus for a lot of business leaders, a lot of employees. Um, clearly, we witnessed the shocking death of George Floyd mm -hmm. um, live on our TV screens. Um, we saw the incident with Amy Cooper um, in Central Park, um, and, and you personally have suspended your consultancy work so that you can focus on kind of sharing insight and the need for change and, and how employers kind of think about that. So if, if we kind of start there, like what advice do you give or what advice would you give to employers? They're, they're trying to enable dialogue with employees on kind of equity within the workplace. I think the first thing is, is just on what you touched on, John, which is, you know, I always say to people, you've got to do your work first with this. You no. know, um, I always quite glibly, but I do say ignorance is in 2020 is not an excuse because Google is free. Yes. <laughs> so you can find anything. And I think what I urge people to do is because I'm very conscious that the Black Lives Matter movement, particularly here in the UK, yep. has been focused on um, what we see play out on our television screen. So it's about statues. It's about, you know, the protests going through London. 
And what I've been saying to people is irrespective of whether you class yourself as pro the movement or not, understand that the root issue that Black Lives Matter is trying to address is the fact that black people are not treated equally. Yeah. So this is an equality piece. And I urge everybody to remember this because they, I've heard lots of conversations and, you know, people end up going, yeah, but, you know, it's not right what they are doing about the statues. It's not right that this, you know, slavery was years ago. And, and yeah. so the conversation is deflected, if I'm really honest, John, to that. Yep. So it's the sensationalist stuff that you see on the media. So if you do your own reading, and you know what? If you need to ease yourself in gently, Netflix is a gold mine of yep. stuff. You know, go and watch Central Park Five. Go and watch Thirteenth, because that, although it's very American from mm -hmm. from the experience, you, it, I promise you, it starts to make you question some of the assumptions that you've had about how far or not we've come with this race issue. Yep. Because there's still a lot of people in very, very senior leadership positions who genuinely have believed that racism is not a thing in the way that it's being played out. Because you know? I think there's a, an overtness versus a, like an intrinsic nature of that uh, part of that education is like, well, learn the difference there between like what is obvious for everyone to see versus what is more difficult that actually requires you to focus on in order to see it. Absolutely. And that's where you, you know, when you talked about structural racism yeah. and structural racism, when people go, oh, my God, because the word race and racism, everyone goes, oh, God, but I'm not racist. And so you mm -hmm. you have to be able to push back that, push back against that. And for some people, particularly white people, have used the whole I'm not racist statement to stop the conversation dead. Yeah. And also their minds, they're not ready to open up and go, let's actually, do you know what? Let me hear what you have to say, whoever it is. Let me listen with an intent to really hear and understand versus let me listen to kind of be able to refute and go, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. Yeah. So the structural racism bit is basically saying that we live in a society that places value on white lives versus black lives as depicted in the media yeah it's depicted when you walk into a business and you will see a sea of white faces but you may only see one or two black individuals as depicted when businesses do hire one or two senior people there will only be one or two yeah because by definition of having that one person their argument is well we've we, we've done enough and it's also a piece around, you know, and everyone forgets this, that because we've wrapped this in diversity and inclusion for a long time. Yes. And, you know, I've got very specific points about this. Well, so. I was going to talk about that specifically, <laughs> but absolutely. Let's uh, let's move yeah. into that because because there's so many companies that go, OK, well, we've got a policy for that or we have a process in place for that. Um, and and yes, without stealing your thunder, it'd be great to get your views because we as business leaders, we recognize that term. And kind of go, oh, we got this covered. So what what's your thought process on that? So my thought process on that is that I have if I had a penny for every time that somebody offered me a DNI role or wanted to talk to me about it, and I've point blank refused to ever do one. I don't even right. call myself a, a diversity and inclusion person. I'm just somebody with plenty to say um, you know, about this. Because one is because it's very personal for me. 
Yeah. And and unfortunately, the statistics show that there are more people of colour in DNI roles than anybody else. And the problem is with that is that it's very difficult in the mind of the business leaders to separate what we are pushing because it's the right thing to do versus what we're pushing because of the colour of our skin. And as the individual, it's very difficult to navigate that because you're very conscious of the colour of your skin. So you uh, you don't you don't want to push in the way that you would if you're a marketing person pushing to get extra budget. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you know that somebody's going to say, oh, but you're just saying that because you're black. Yeah. And because I've had that said to me and I wasn't even doing a DNI role. So that's one element of it. The other element of it, and it goes back to this point about structural racism, mm. is for black people and minorities to be given fair treatment in brackets because it's not really worked, but let's imagine it, it, had, it had done. We've had to wrap it in a business initiative that is separate to everything else. Life, so, you mean, just, just normal life, yeah. So it's not business as usual. It's been separated into diversity and inclusion. And the only way we have been able to make some progress for other minorities, but with this, you know, this is a great example, is fundamentally because black people, we don't have the power to affect change because we are not in the corridors of power and we're not in positions of influence. Our lives can only get better if white people allow our lives to get better so when you're signing off a dni initiative or the yeah. budget or whatever else it is what you don't realize is the subcontext underneath that is, is almost the extent to which you say yes to things yeah. the extent to which you challenge things is a direct signal about how open you are to making your business an equitable place for black people, which means it's an equitable place for everybody. Does that make yeah. sense? Total sense. And then the third element of that is because for years we have used the economic, so you know, in business, we all know it, the ROI, the economic benefits of doing X, Y, and Z. And a lot of people, there's been books and, you know, hundreds of books written about the economic benefits of diversity, you know, how it helps you to, you know, da, 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 da. Again, the unintended consequence of that and the subtext of that is you are focusing on black people as an opportunity to make money. Mm. And what does that remind you of? Yeah, that is uh, that's an uncomfortable uh, uh, direction to be going in, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, so if I if I think about that, so. On the one side, uh, businesses want to have this conversation. They need to do the work. We need to listen with the intent to hear. Um, we also need to understand that what we've been doing up until this point is not the same as what we need to do beyond the point. So businesses that are entering into this conversation, they're likely to, to hear things perhaps that makes them uncomfortable um, or creates challenge within the business. Just how do you suggest um, the way businesses conduct this conversation is different to how we've done it before? Because we, like, if we think about what we just talked about, is that we, we we can't fix these problems with the solutions that we've been using for 10 years Correct. because they're still here, right? Correct. Correct. So the thing that I've said to people is, is, you know, in the nicest way possible, if you are a white senior leadership team, if you are a white board of directors, 
Teutonic decks are all white. It doesn't matter which part of the world you come from, what language is your first yep. language, but providing you're all united because of the color of your skin, you cannot have those uncomfortable conversations if you all look like that. Yeah. Because what will happen is you, to a point you might say, like, we have to do something about this. We might seem to be doing something about this business. But you almost need somebody, even if it's not me, but if you think about the provocation that I give with everything that I talk about, I'm provoking, I'm provoking, I'm provoking, and I'm taking people to a level of deep uncomfortable, you know, that they, they're they almost like, oh my God, Sri, let's stop talking. <laughs> um, to some extent, you need that, which means you need to get somebody in a room who can help you facilitate that conversation. And I use the word facilitate in inverted commas because not in the traditional business sense. So you know, like when somebody comes with the flip chart and the post-it notes and you're like, right, tell me the words that you think yes. about racism and, you know, you post the flip chart. It's literally just to say, let's have a conversation. And in that conversation, you know, I, and so what I've done is I say my very pointed pieces around, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then we have this debate. And basically for me, there's no holds barred. So I will challenge super hard and I challenge hard because I want to push people to that place of discomfort and then we have that conversation. So my thing is, if you're not feeling really uncomfortable, you're not having the right level of conversation. So you yep. need to get somebody in a room um, it can be your employees. You can hire somebody to come in and, and be, be very clear on what you're hiring them to do. You can look at people in your ecosystem. So in your supply chain, if you have that, um, you know, because somebody's got to have, it takes a certain level of bravery and courage to do what I do. Yep. And sometimes businesses go, oh, that's fine. I'll go to my listening forum and they're going to tell me, you know, how it is. Or I'll go to my one or two black employees and they're going to tell me how it is. But what you also have to understand is the power dynamic. So they are still going to be very fearful of what's going to happen once the excitement of this movement has passed on. Me, I couldn't care less because like I'm I'm singing like a canary every day. So, you know, so it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. But I'm very conscious that I am not indicative of what's happening in a lot of businesses. So yeah. I always say, to, you know, to people to be really thoughtful and don't put the pressure on the one or two black people that you have in your business because it's convenient because when you do that you're not thinking about the pressure on them because bearing in mind they have been living every day they've been dealing with microaggressions they've been dealing with the fact that they felt like they've had to shed layers of their black identity so just because you've woken up and smelt the roses yes and just because you've said it's safe for them to talk by definition of you saying it doesn't make it so so, you know, you really have to be thoughtful and start the conversation with the right individual or groups of individuals in the room who, you know, are going to challenge you. Yeah, because it's it's no point having like, a um, you know, an AA meeting. Do you know what I mean? And there's no it's and it's all a little bit like because everybody's trying to make everybody else feel better. You know, oh, don't forget that we've done this initiative and that worked, didn't it? You know, and we've got this. And oh, don't forget we've signed off for the diversity and inclusion person. So you yep. can be very quickly fooled into thinking that the actions that you're taking are making a change. And the reality is the actions that you may be taking, and you might have to be honest about this, is just to make sure that your business looks good. But that's yep. not meaningful change. No, I agree. I think uh, I was talking with one of my team earlier today and we were talking about... Um, 
different actions that we can take as an organization ourselves. And the, and the concept of training came up. Um, and actually it was, it was partially from listening to what you had to say that you realize that, that actually this is not, that this is an old world way of thinking about uh, a problem that needs to be solved. And I think that um, uh, finding ways through the conversation is not about telling people what to say or, or how do they react in a situation because the situation is 24 hours a day, seven days a week and everything that we do. And it's not in a situation. It's it's just this is how we should be acting, I yeah. think. Um, and then I, I, I began to think about um, uh, businesses that are having this conversation that are, are overt within their organization or publicly and saying, yes, we support the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, as a business, we commit to X, Y, Z. And and there's, there's a whole other load of businesses that have said nothing um, to this point in time. And I guess there's a double-edged sword here is saying something without doing the work um, or saying nothing at all. But what do you say to companies that so far have remained silent either internally or both internally and externally, like on, on this subject? Um, what would you kind of say to that group? I think some of the things that I... The, my frustration and hurt that drove me to push past my own discomfort and, you know, like in my mind, take a whole lot of risks with my reputation and my career by talking about this stemmed from when we were in the midst of the lockdown and the pandemic. And I saw how we just universally, this whole community spirit, you know, businesses helping other businesses, businesses stopping producing X to produce Y, not to make a profit, but because it was going to help, you know, yep. help the service. You know, strangers going to neighbours and going to deliver medicine. So I saw all of this mm. community, um, community spirit. I was also very well aware that black men and black women are four times more likely to catch coronavirus. Yeah. But nobody was talking about that. Black men and black women take up the majority of the, or a, a large percentage, not the majority, a large percentage of frontline roles in the NHS who are treating everybody else, including a lot of white people, to yeah. get better from coronavirus. So that was like my, the context. And then, you know, obviously the stuff from the States. So what I say to businesses is, you can't tell me that you don't have it in your spirit to do that. So you've got to be really honest and say to yourself, why is it when you're seeing on the news and you might see people like me and there's lots of other people coming from very different angles, talking about how black people are not only affected by what's happening in the States, but how it's made us reflect on our position in society. Yeah. And our reaction to, to all of that is we're reacting to what I've called the corporate wall of silence. We're reacting to the fact that businesses haven't said anything, but they were the first to say something about what they're doing to support whoever with coronavirus. But yet when it's black people, there's silence. And what I've been saying is apathy and silence or inaction is an action in itself. Because what it says is, you don't care enough to, to push past that deep uncomfortable, so you're thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you don't wanna be seen as doing the wrong thing. So you're making this about you and your business and the perception. 
So until you feel like it's safe for you to do it with minimal blowback, only then will you say something. And I posted this morning on LinkedIn an article that basically said in years to come, when, you know, like Harvard Business Review, when they're doing all these case studies about businesses and what businesses did in the pandemic, they will also be saying to businesses, what did you do when the civil rights movement of 2020 kicked off? So my, my thing that I've been saying to people is, which side of history do you want to be on? Yeah. Because if you go back to the 1950s and the 1960s, when you had people, like, we all applaud, everybody universally, irrespective of your culture, will applaud Martin Luther King, now Malcolm X, when you start to understand the context of what they were talking about. Yeah. But potentially your ancestors were also the ones that stood quietly because they were too uncomfortable to speak out. And then if you go back and you think about lynching and segregation and slavery there would also have been white people who saw that but who felt uncomfortable because everybody else was doing that so they stayed silent so when people try and divorce what's happening now to what history has shown us my argument is but it's no different yeah do you know what i mean I it's, it's exactly the same thing. And it goes back to when there is injustice in the world and there are things that are fundamentally unfair, do you continue to keep putting your comfort in front of making meaningful change? Yeah, and I think that's it, is sometimes when you're, you have the, um, the benefit of looking back and you kind of go, yes, of course, that makes sense. But actually the... The, the movement only starts when actually it happens in that moment. Um, and I think um, clearly in the last couple of months, the issues that black people face have been brought to the fore by what we've seen on TV. Um, and that is inspiring movement within companies. Um, and I guess uh, there there is a concern is, are we knee jerk to what's happening in the media? Um, how will that be perceived? And actually, um, how do we start down this road with good intentions and try not to be perceived that way? What would you say to companies who um, have concerns on that front? I think, you know what, one of the things I think we have to separate out is, is intent versus impact. Because if, you, if we focus on intent, I didn't mean it, you know, I, I was thinking about other things before I said you know, before I won't go and do X, Y, and Z, or I don't go and do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's a get out of jail card. Because the reality is with this, there's never a good time. You will never always say the right thing. And so you you have to be willing to go past that. And again, I keep saying you have to be willing to, to put your comfort and your position of privilege. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, and, I, and I've said this to CEOs pretty much every single day, is that by you not doing anything as a leader, as a business, because you're worried about all the things that you just talked about, John, your life still stays the same, but our life never gets any better. Because remember, we, have, we need your support. And as awful as this sounds, because of the way society is structured and the way that businesses are a reflection of society, we need your permission. You know, and I've, I've said yep. this many a times that 
the equivalent of what I'm doing when I'm speaking out every single day and I'm being honest, like you see my tears, you see me be really annoyed, you see, you know, you see the whole like, <laughs> even my partners have been a bit like, at some point, can you not just, you know, and I'm like, no, this is really important. <laughs> um, but let's be honest, what I'm doing is begging. I am begging on behalf of the black community. I am begging on behalf of black employees because I have very senior black people messaging me and saying, you know, I can't tell you how validating it is for me to hear you speak in all the honesty that you're speaking. Yeah. And fundamentally, even though I'm in a position of relative seniority in very, very well-known businesses, very FTSE 100 businesses, they cannot say what I'm saying. Yeah. So when you understand that this, and this is what I talk about, this, 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 the fear that comes with recognizing for us our position is precarious. You know, in the same way that I shed tears the night before, tears in the morning when I was writing my LinkedIn post to share this video, because I was so worried about um, my reputation, meaning that because I was talking about this black stuff, that, you know, people wouldn't want to engage with me. And the reality mm -hmm. is, John, people haven't. So if, you know, if people are listening, yes. thinking I'm going to tell them the rainbow on the side. Yes, there's been loads of positives. Don't get me wrong. Massive amounts of positives. But I've been attacked by CEOs, chair people, non-exec directors who sent me threatening messages, who've commented on my posts, who have harassed me on social media. Who are within the establishment, as you would like to call it. So. Yeah. What I want to say to people is you have to understand that you can kid yourself into thinking that the media is sensationalizing the issue. You can kid yourself into thinking when you see Hollywood black stars talk about their experiences or when you see people in publishing or people in STEM or people in retail or hospitality or tech. And the sad thing is we are all sharing the same story in terms of the common themes, like our individual experiences are going to be very different. And that's the bit for many of us where we're going, even though you're hearing all of this and you still can't push past your discomfort, yeah. like you've got to look yourself in the mirror and go, what is that about? Because if the shoe was on the other foot, if white people were as affected in the world and in the world of work and in civil injustice and all of that stuff in the way that we are, we would have pulled out all the stops in this country and you would have expected every other minority to step up and support in the same way that you expected black people to step up and support in the same way that you expect black people to be in your frontline operations but we're not good enough to be in your head office or we're not good enough to be in your senior leadership team and even those people that say but that's not what we mean and I go, no, but the fact that you've never looked at the composition of your workforce and asked the question, yeah. why is that? Tells me that you didn't really want to do anything. So that's why I'm very um, unapologetic, you know, about the, the, the challenge that I give, because that's what we need if we're going to push through that inertia and, and, and make meaningful change. And for a lot of senior leaders, it means that they may have to unlearn a lot of things that they were conditioned into thinking all of these years, including that the UK doesn't have a race problem. I think we all universally can, can I think that's put to bed now. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I think a few weeks ago it might have been different. But even then, you know, understand that you might be sitting next to directors metaphorically in a room who fundamentally think that black people are making mountains out of molehill or think that fundamentally, um, 
you know, there's an sense of entitlement or that they're worried about losing their position to make way for more black people and who may resist any attempt that you make or as a business to move things forward. And that is also a question because there's a lot of businesses that are concerned about that and they they are still putting the comfort of those people who aren't 100% racist, but they're certainly not 50% anti-racist. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. As you talk about, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, and it's in one of your videos on YouTube, this corporate wall of silence. And I know you only touched on that as like a, a phrase, but everything that you've just described is, this is what happens when you don't talk um, about it. Um, and so I guess, uh, uh, you have uh, been at the forefront of helping people think through this from a business perspective. Um, uh, certainly, I think you started uh, your daily videos at the end of May, right? Yeah. Um, so I suggest people go on and watch those. Are you still doing one every single day? Uh, every single day, John, I'm turning up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they, they are definitely a great watch. But I guess uh, the question I'd have for you is, is there, there feels like, lots of things happening or lots of awakenings or changes being made, statements being made. Um, what is your view? Do you, do you believe that the, that we're moving forward um, with this issue or um, yeah, I'd be interested to know yeah. what you think. Do you know what? On one hand, I do, I genuinely believe, otherwise I would not do videos every day if I thought this wasn't the case. I do believe there is a collective awakening almost. It's a bit, I call it, you know, we've been we've been sitting in our conservatories and the windows have been blown off and we've suddenly gone, oh, my God, is that what the garden looks like? You know, because it's this whole idea of for years we've just not, you know, intentionally, unintentionally not seen what life is like. Right. Yeah. So I do believe that is a step forward. I think the thing that makes me that continues to make me speak out about this is to your point, there's still not enough companies talking about this. Yeah. There's still not enough companies doing something about this. There's still not enough companies talking to their employees. And I know because their employees are messaging me and saying, Shereen, I know you won't believe this, but after all this time, my business has still not done anything. Yeah. You know, Or there's still businesses who behind the scenes trying to hire four or five black people quick, quick, quick. Or they're trying to go for the DNI person, but they still haven't thought through what the meaningful change is, yep. you know? So, and I think to some extent, this is where businesses don't understand their influence. So on one hand, you know what, you're right, damned if you do and damned if you don't, but you wanna be able to say you try to do something. And I always say to people, you know, if you're gonna do your public statements, do that, you know, and understand that people will probably rip it to shreds, like it is what it is, you know, such yep. is life, but, be honest with yourselves and say, are we willing to do the real work, not the surface level stuff, the real work that means you have to commit to two, three year, four years, the real work that says it will continue long after your tenure. Yeah. That's when you go, right. So if that's your starting place, put out your statement and be honest. And I also say, listen, don't underestimate the power of honest reflection, being humble, being authentic do you know what there is more value of you doing a video in your in your house so in your you know in your natural way maybe stumbling over your words potentially saying the wrong thing all of that because what that shows is is that 
you've pushed past your discomfort because you want your black employees and you know I focus on them but you know it could be people in your supply chain or whatever and you've you want them to know that you're serious about this yeah it's not and I always say to people it's not about having the answers right now because it, even me like if somebody says oh my god give me like 20 things I'll be like uh, you know <laughs> I don't know that's not it yeah you know, it's about and the starting point is having those conversations but but don't get lost in the conversations that you don't do anything you know, and to some extent, treat this a little bit like the energy that you would give if there was a department in your business that needed support. You know, that's where innovation comes from, right? You know, yeah. experimenting and throwing away stuff that doesn't work. This is no different because, as you said at the very beginning, we need different ways of approaching this. So and I always say to people, it's not to say that the stuff we've done is wrong, like you need yeah. to throw it out. It just if you never understood the root cause and the real problem, then you could never apply a solution that fits. Clearly, um, the responsibility for creating change needs to sit with the people that run their businesses. But what do you say to employees? Perhaps you mentioned employees that hadn't, their businesses haven't done anything, or maybe they are doing something and they're not quite sure if it's the right thing. Like where do employees start and actually how do they start to uh, create the conversation if that's Yes. That's the way it should yes. be about it, you know? So I've always, so one of the things that I've always said is because um, I'm still one of these people that's very concerned about coronavirus, so I'm not out protesting in the streets. However, yeah. I bring my protest to the boardroom, so that's what I do. And that's what I say to people who are not in positions of power and influence within their business is don't underestimate the amount of change that you can create just by using your voice and speaking up. So that could be supporting your black colleague because you've seen, now that you understand what microaggressions are, so you understand those things that happen day to day, you know, um, a white colleague has touched a black woman's hair, or you've overheard a conversation that somebody says, you know, is it true what they say about all black men? Or somebody says, well, you know, it's all very well, like, you know, getting in black people, but we've tried, like, you know, and we can't find any black talent or, you know, all of yep. the stuff. That's that's the definition of a microaggression. That's all stuff that happens every single day, chip, 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 that basically seeks to reinforce this narrative that if black people can't make the progress, it's because we're not good enough. Yeah. So as if you're witnessing any of that and you feel passionate and you feel galvanized and you're thinking, this is not right. Then I say to people, you know what, use your voice. Ask your businesses leaders, like, what's going on with this? If it's gone quiet for a few weeks, go and ask them and say, listen, like, you know, fair enough. Like, you put the black square up, but, like, we haven't seen anything else. So, you know, what are you doing? But also, you support by doing your own reading. Even if your company is not doing a company edit yet, you know, kind of an educational piece, let's understand the context, Go and read, go and listen to podcasts, go and read some books, go and listen to Audible, go and go on Netflix, Amazon Prime, all of the stuff that we consume information. You do that. But the the, the best thing is we have to get better at speaking up collectively. This is, and as you know, this goes beyond just about Black Lives Matter. This is just in general yep. business life. And I think we've already seen a movement where particularly from a generational point of view, you know, younger employees are more used to speaking up when things aren't right. But what I think they need is the safety in numbers. So I basically say the more people that are saying the same thing, at some point a business will have to listen, you know? Um, and as awful as it sounds, it's a bit like somebody's gonna say, oh my gosh, Shereen, you're saying we're gonna be held to ransom by our employees. And I'm like, well, 
Possibly, you know, because that that's, you know, sometimes you need people to keep pushing you to go, you know what, maybe we haven't done enough. And, and you know, you, one of the things as leaders is you're there to serve your employees because that's how you make the impact on the world. If your employees are not happy with your position, if your yep. customers are not happy with the, your position, if you're ignoring what's going on in society or you're picking and choosing based on what feels comfortable, that's a leadership problem. It's not a business problem. Yeah, agreed. Is there anything perhaps that is important for leaders and employees alike or people um, that maybe we haven't touched on that's, uh, uh, that would be useful to talk about here too? I think it's just probably one thing that I would say is that, you know, in having these conversations, make sure you have black people in the room. Wherever yeah. you, make sure you have black people in the room. Um, don't default and, and, and set up like a black listening forum and that be the only thing. And pretty much you only have black people in the listening forum because the reality is like as black people, we don't need to convince each other, right? Yes. So the really need to convince not in the room, right? So you need to bring that together. So if you're going to do things like that, think about bringing in a cross section of people. And even if some people's role is just to listen, not everybody needs to interact. And then the other thing to say is in the same way that you have to create a safe environment for your black employees to be able to speak their truth and you have to be prepared to the fact that you're going to hear some things that you can't unhear which means you might have to take some action yep. or you might have to think differently you also have to give your white colleagues the permission and say do you know what you might mess up so there needs to be a very tacit agreement in the room that says you know say what you've got to say my you know black colleagues and you know to talk your experiences we're going to hear from everybody in terms of what we need to do as a business to move things forward but if you know that the people in your in the room and um, the white people in the room have already uh, are doing some work because it never it never stops that's why i always say like it's ongoing but they've done some work so they're they're consciously aware but you can't expect people to be understand all the terminology or understand why certain terminology is problematic overnight so therefore you can't shoot them down for saying the wrong thing. Right. And in this, you are very, it's very easy to see who genuinely said the wrong thing versus those individuals who were just like, thank God, you know, I can finally say the things that I wanted to, you know, finally say the things I wanted to say. Do you remember when we were at school and, you know, the, it was always the boys that worked out if you type certain numbers in the calculator, it said, <laughs> do you remember that? I, I knew what you were going to say before you got there, yes. <laughs> like that's at any time they like put the numbers in and go you know yeah. and it's a little bit like that you can see the difference and I think you know don't be afraid to use humor in the right places don't think that every conversation about race has to be a deep and meaningful yeah. you can use funny anecdotes to still tell a very powerful story um because there is a danger is everyone thinks oh my god it's so heavy and you almost get a reluctance to enter into the conversation more than once because it's a bit like I just want to hear some good news for a change. And it's a bit like, well, do you know what? That's our reality. But you have to have a cross section of your people in the room. And if, you, if you're if you aboard and you're going to have this conversation, you need at least one black person in the room. Otherwise, it, it's an echo chamber. You yep. will never have that layer of conversation that you need to have. Well, I think that is a perfect place um, to, to conclude the interview. I think great advice. Um, and then, I, as I say, for... I think one of the threads that comes through talking to you um, and uh, uh, learning myself about um, how we need to engage here is, is like do the work, like yeah, 
and and you rightly say if you don't like reading books there's netflix um loads of stuff yeah uh google what have you and i think uh for all of us regardless of what position you're in is that's a great place to start and i know when you mentioned in your in the beginning your first video we talk about like the the risk that you felt that you were taking clearly one you're kind of stopping doing a, a revenue generating exercise to do something that you're passionate about but also knowing that you're risking future business or certainly you felt that way at the at the beginning um so i think clearly brave step from your perspective and one that we're benefiting from so thank you for that yeah, you're very welcome no thank you it's, it's it's been great to talk to you so yeah you too listen have a great rest of your day you and uh, we'll speak again soon all right john thanks see you later cheers thank you bye, bye.